0: For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show-me-state and entering the the show-me-the-money-state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people, because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show-me-the-money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much.
1: Welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade. I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and the solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Randy, how you doing today?
2: Just doing really well, Jeff. Just happy to be here in the
1: last bastion of sanity. <laughs> and I'm glad to talk to you here in the last bastion of sanity. Jake, how's it going for you today? doing really well, Jeff. Thanks. Glad here as always, Jake and Randy. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Another good show lined up for our listeners here in this beautiful part of the country. And, you know, spring has sprung. I mean, spring has been uh, sprung for quite some time. We're in the doorstep of Memorial Day, the unofficial start of summer, and I just can't wait to uh, get out there on the lake, do a little fishing. But we've got about an hour to go before we can hit the lakes at this point in time. So let's talk about what's going on in the economy, what's going on in the markets and what's going on insofar as what's on people's minds as far as money goes. First up, we're going to talk about a bear market rally. Gentlemen, we're in a bear market right now, but a rally, a bear market rally is a rally within that bear market where prices of things temporarily go up. And I think people get a little false hope, don't they?
3: Yeah. So when we talk about bear market rallies, there's a lot of false signals that happen and a lot of people tend to get trapped. And what tends to happen is after a big sell off, markets get oversold is the technical term. And so they go back up for a little bit until they're no longer oversold and then they can resume the decline. And so and there's some pretty fascinating statistics out there, but like 12 of the 20 biggest NASDAQ rallies happened during the plunge in 2000. So when the NASDAQ actually went down 79% from 2000 to 2002 and 2003, and during that time, it had some of the biggest rallies on record. And people are like, well, how is that possible? Because as the number goes down further, so let's think about the math a little bit. If a stock goes down, let's say 70%, and there's a lot of stocks down 70% from the high right now, If a stock goes down 70%, so let's say it started at $100, it's now $30, right? Now, let's say it rallies back up 10%. Well, that's only $3 now on a $100 stock. So it's really a 3% rally from where you started, not a 10% rally from where we are now. So uh, you tend to have these really big outsized percentage moves in a bear market rally. And so it's important that we don't get fooled by the fact that markets are down and as they come back we don't want to take the bait if you will they're trying to bait us into buying back in here and those that do will probably get get hurt here and so bear market rallies tend to be pretty dangerous to (coughs) especially do-it-yourself type investors because they're not ready for the rug pull if you will that happens on the other side of these
1: well there's no doubt that we're in a bear market right now as you said with these little rallies do give people false hope but I guess the big question is, uh, how much further is this going to drop? I know that we don't have a crystal ball, but what is your feeling about this market right now? Is it going to last for much longer?
3: So I think, Jeff, the, the big question, I say big question, there's two big questions I think that we need to have answered to answer that question. If you want to know where this market is headed, watch the bond market. So if you look at the treasury market in particular, with when we're talking about stocks, we look at the treasury market of the United States that's what the fed is really going to focus on as they raise rates they're going to be concerned they don't they don't really care if stocks go down as much what they're going to be concerned about is that the bond market continues to function a lot of people don't know this but the bond market is actually much larger right than the stock market and what they're going to be concerned about is the liquidity in the bond market and and how many buyers and sellers there are on both sides if they start to push this thing too hard People will stop buying treasuries, and that's what they're going to be watching, and that's what they're going to try to avoid. They don't mind crashing stocks, but if they start to dry up buyers of treasuries, you'll look to see them reverse course very quickly.
1: This bond market has had a lot of people worried, and uh, Jake, you and I have conversations off the air. We were talking yesterday about my wife's hairdresser who was very, very worried that her 401k, I mean, as she said, it is tanking. Do you get many people who uh, call you just panic because the money inside their 401k has been greatly affected by this bear market and they just don't know what to do?
3: So as people get closer to retirement, we tend to see them get more worried, which is appropriate. The last five years or so before retirement, we call the retirement red zone. That's really a very important time and we need to not take big losses right as we're about to retire if we can avoid it. People are definitely concerned, and one of the one of the services we kind of offer here is if you're getting close to retirement, we can help you look at your 401k options and maybe determine a little bit less volatile allocation inside your 401k, if that's something you'd be interested in. So when people come in for their free consultation, that's definitely one of the topics of conversation we'll cover.
1: Now, this couple is about 10 years away from retirement. They're 55 and 54. If you do find yourself in that situation, What advice would you give to someone who maybe brings you their statement and says, look at this, this is just tanking tremendously. This is my 401k. I mean, what advice would you give to them? Do you just sort of wait it out? Or do you look to reallocate maybe where you're you're putting your money?
3: So assuming this, there's a lot of assumptions here, but
1: let's let's
3: give some assumptions. So let's say they are going to retire at 65. So that means we're 10, 11 years from retirement. In that boat, I would say you just hang on. You hang on but more importantly the number one piece of advice i would give is don't stop funding don't stop contributing to that 401k so if the market comes down even quite a bit you're going to be buying shares at a huge discount so make sure that whatever you do allocation wise just make sure you're buying during all that you're continuing to fund you're continuing to get your match from your employer that's, that's where money is made, is when the markets are down and you're buying when those markets are down, then when it comes back, you have more shares than you would have had otherwise. So I think the number one piece of advice is don't decrease how much you're funding. You might even increase it if you can stomach it.
1: We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd Floyd Financial Group about bear market rallies. I mean, this couple wanted to pull all their money out of their 401k and put it into something else, but of course not being 59 and a half they're subject to a 10% penalty and then they would pay tax on that. So absolutely not the right thing to do. Jake, I understand for the longest time here, stocks have been really overvalued. And that brings me to talk about something called the PEG ratio. I understand that a normal price earnings growth ratio is about 16. What has it been recently?
3: So the price to earnings growth ratio is a little bit different than the price to earnings ratio that a lot of that you hear a lot on TV. And so when you see when you hear on TV that people are saying, um, you know, uh, Nvidia stock or whatever stock it is is trading at a twenty multiple, what that means is their tr- the total value of their company is trading at twenty times their earnings. And so that's usually the metric that you hear a lot on TV. And I think that last year at the height, the number for that on the S&P was over 30, over 30 times multiple. So a historic kind of healthy average over the last 40 or 50 years is closer to like between 12 and 14. And even in recent history, it's more like 16 or 17 um, so we're quite a bit over our skis there if you will but there's certain companies though that we're trading you know at ridiculous valuations and those are the ones that are that are really getting killed so like one example that comes to mind is a company called QuantumScape, and so quantum scape is in the lithium battery business and what they want to do is create the next generation lithium battery a solid state lithium battery and so that would allow for a super performing lithium battery that would allow energy density much higher than what we have now now here's the kicker is they ipo'd last year and their stock went to like nearly 50 billion dollars in valuation but here's the thing they don't plan to bring any product to market for the next six years Mm -hmm. they have zero dollars in revenue only outgoing cost. So a company like that no matter how revolutionary the technology is not worth 50 billion dollars. It's worth fractions of that, you know, maybe more like 5 or less. And so people kind of got really out of control with how much they were paying for some of these stocks and so, you know, that stock along with many others are down 70, 80, 90, even 95% depending on what stock we're talking about. And so that that highest multiple area is what's really been getting crushed lately. So Peloton is another one, right? So Pel- you probably know what Peloton is. You've oh, probably yeah. seen them on TV, right? Mm-hmm. Peloton was over $150 a share at one point, And a couple of weeks ago,
1: it was under $15, Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group on Show Me the Money. Thanks for joining us again this week. Jake, you talked earlier about this uh, couple that I know of that are 10 years away from retirement. And as you said, the retirement red zone is five years away from retirement. If you find yourself with a very down portfolio because of a bear market, and let's say that you're two, three years away from retirement, should you have a knee-jerk reaction to this? I mean, what should you be doing, if anything?
3: So the answer to that question Jeff is uh, as it is a lot of times on the show is it depends. There's a lot of a lot of considerations we would need to take into account, you know. How much passive income are you going to have in retirement? Do you have a pension? Is the money that we that's in question the only source of, of extra income other than social security that you're going to have? So we have to answer all those questions before I can really give you give you an answer to that. But I would say that if you're within five years of retirement, some discretion is definitely advised here. And I think that it wouldn't hurt to to move some things a little bit safer, maybe, if you're in a very aggressive type portfolio.
1: Okay, so I guess the big the question to tie things up, Jake and Randy, is what can you do to prevent something like this, a bear market, from having such a negative effect on your portfolio? I mean, how do we avoid such things? You know, Jeff, I think the important
3: thing is that we have a plan that works in all kinds of financial weather. And so people have gotten a little bit jaded, you know, people have short memories about volatile times in the market. And if you have a plan that works when the market is good and a plan that works when the market is bad, then you don't have to be constantly worried about this. And like you said, trying to make knee jerk reactions, we just let the plan do what the plan does. and, And we have peace of mind and you're able to
1: sleep at night when you're retired. Absolutely. I think uh, the takeaway here is having that comprehensive plan, as you said, they can weather all sorts of financial storms. I mean, you look at these big trees that we've got around here and sometimes, you know, they fall over on their sides and you're going, well, how could a big tree like that fall over on its sides? And it's because it does not have deep roots. And that's what you do there at Floyd Financial Group is to make sure that your financial plan has deep enough roots to withstand any sort of financial storm. You're listening to Randy and Jake with Floyd Financial Group. My name's Jeff Shade. Thanks so much for joining us here on this fine Saturday morning if you would like to have a complimentary financial plan that has deep financial roots, sort of a retirement roadmap, no cost, no obligation for that plan. In order to get yours, call 417 7233 or better yet, go out to the website floydfinancialgroup.com and poke around there. There's all sorts of great information on the website that you can use to further educate yourself and inform yourself as far as your finances. It's floydfinancialgroup.com, and you can also request your complimentary no-cost no obligation. Sit down with Randy and Jake there at Floyd Financial Group. Once again, it's floydfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, time for a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about sequence of return risk. And guys, I always get these two gentlemen that we refer to mixed up, Mr. Brown, Mr. Green, Mr. White. I'm not sure what their names are, but we'll find out more when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSDF, where Springfield comes to talk.
0: Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me The Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody.
2: This is Randy Floyd, along with Jake, and you're listening to Show Me The Money. And in this segment, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to our retirement hearts, and that's sequence of returns. And What in the world does that mean?
1: Yeah, Randy, I mean, we've talked about this before. We know that people don't listen to every show, but sequence of return risk is definitely something that you want to watch out for. And we always use the example of Mr. Green and Mr. Brown. These were two gentlemen who each had a million dollar investment portfolio at age 65, but they had very different results. So first of all, describe, if you will, define sequence of return risk. Sure. Sure.
2: So the sequence of returns talks about how the market returns during our retirement years or any time that we're invested. So a sequence of returns may be that, hey, you know, when you start to invest or maybe when you have just retired, we have a downturn in the stock market and maybe we have a recession and so we don't have a lot of growth in the market. In fact, we have negative return. That can be very devastating to a retirement plan unless it's properly constructed to handle that. The other side of that is you could retire at exactly the right time, and, and, the, and sometimes it's hard to recognize. In fact, I will tell you it's almost impossible to recognize the difference in those two. So case in point would be this. Jeff, looking back over our shoulder to COVID-19, and here we are in February of 2020, We're at the highest the S&P 500 has ever been. That's 3,373 points at that point. And, you know, here we go. We go off the cliff and we're down 34% over a month. And then if we spike back and everything looks good, even even though we had... People laid off, we had economies shut down, and all that. You know, we would have thought that the market would have continued to plunge, plunge, plunge. But I had people that retired right during that storm, and we set these accounts up for them. We uh, monitored all that performance, and through 2020, you know, we returned. You know, nearly twenty percent in our our uh, stock portfolio, and then we have other things that we use where we blended together, and we had a really great year, probably a fourteen or fifteen percent year, even during you know a pandemic. So looking back at that, you'd think, well, you know, that that probably was one of the worst times in the world to invest. But I will tell you that the people that retired during that time are uh, grinning ear to ear right now <laughs> because they made big returns during twenty twenty one, and then of course the tail end of 2021, and here we are in 2022, the sequence of returns has changed. And I guess the thing that I would would want to point out to people is none of us can control the stock market because none of us can control the putins of the world uh, and, and people that are always being disruptive in some way we also can't control you know pandemics we can't control the black swan events and things that come along and so we have to be prepared for all of those so let's talk about a couple of things that are important to note so if i have a 401k plan and let's say I've got I'm Mr. Green and you're Mr. Brown. Well, better yeah, I'll be Mr. Brown. You can be Mr. Green because I want you to end up really wealthy. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> so, the, so I'll be Mr. Brown. So we both are working. We're funding our 401k plans. And let's say that uh, 25 years before our retirement, we both start. We got a million dollars invested, and over that 25 year period, we have a six percent average return on that money. We're not spending anything yet. We're just saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. We both end up at around $4.2 million, and we're like, yay, all the way to the bank. We're happy as we can be, right? So that's a great thing. Everybody, Everything worked out fine. But it could be that during the early years, you had much better returns than I did, and I had those returns better in the later years because of a little different, maybe an age, or just how the happenstance or the sequence of returns occurred. But here's the thing to know. If we both get a 6% return, no matter how we get that average 6% return over the same time frame, there is no difference in our outcome. In other words, we both start with a million dollars. No matter how we get our 6% average return, because we're not spending any money out of the portfolio, we're just building it. There's no difference in the outcome. But now let's enter retirement and let's talk about that. Yeah. So here we are. Let's say we enter retirement, and let's just say for ease of figuring, Jeff, we both have one million dollars that we have saved uh, in our four hundred and one ks. Okay. When you retire, you retire into a really strong bull market. In fact, the first three years, you know, you have about a forty percent, maybe a fifty percent uptick. Mm-hmm. You know, because we had a great new president who was just elected, and everybody's confident, and inflation's under control, and Man, all that, that sounds good. Yeah. all that stuff is Sounds happening. Sounds great. <laughs> it's really going good, especially the new president part. <laughs> yeah. So we decide that we're going to pull a 5% income stream. So on a right. million dollars, 5% mm. is $50,000, right. 50,000 a year, which I say in a portfolio built correctly, that's a reasonable amount to withdraw. Mm-hmm. And really you could expect to you know, never run out of money if it's managed properly at that level. Now, on the other hand, I retired, but I didn't have the, uh, the same benefit of timing in the market because I had three negative years. Right. I started drawing my 5%, my 50000 a year. And because of those early years, and I didn't have any risk mitigation, I just had just threw the money in the market, just left it out there, and hey, let her fly, you know, no big deal. So what ended up happening, you know, is over time I went broke in just a few years. By the time I was 83, 84, I was out of money. Mm-hmm. And we looked over at your side and here you are. You started with a million, you've been drawing 50,000 a year, and now you got 3 million bucks. Right. So, it's just it's and it's just the sequence of returns and how things happen. So, one of the big things we always talk about here at Floyd Financial Group is how do we mitigate risk? while getting good returns. Because what we really wanna do is we wanna get great returns when the market is working and going up and cooperating, right? Going the direction we want. But then when things are, you know, when we're falling off the cliff, we wanna make sure that we have some risk mitigation tools in place. And we do that a couple of ways. We build a portfolio that part of the portfolio has no downside risk at all. And the other side, we tactically manage and we manage on a daily basis as time runs forward. And by doing that and continually monitoring that setup, we're able to mitigate enough of the downside that the sequence of returns, even if it goes really bad, the sequence of return risk is marginalized, which means it gives us certainty, uh, certainly more certainty than a straight up stock market play. And just you know, set it and forget it type thing, so that we can continually monitor and tweak that thing. And we just know that we can get you retired. You don't have to look back over your shoulder every day, worried about where your next paycheck is going to come from. And over the last you know twenty years or so, uh, we just we we don't have people that run out of money. We don't have people that die of heart attacks when the market falls a little bit and that sort of thing. Because uh, what we try to be and build here are predictable outcomes.
1: And I wish people could uh, see the chart that I'm looking at here. Uh, Randy and Jake, Mr. Green, Mr. Brown, as you said, just because of the down market, Mr. Brown ran out of money at uh, age 83, while Mr. Green had $3.6 million. So sequence of return risk is a very real problem that could be faced. You have retired people, I would imagine, in the 25, 30 years that you've been doing this, you've been retiring people in all sorts of uh, down markets. Is this something that is very common that you can avoid a sequence of return risk if you just know how to do it?
2: Well, I won't say that you can avoid it, but we can certainly mitigate the damage right. and make it to where the problem that, that Mr. Brown had was he had no risk mitigation. So when have those three years of the market going down came along and he's trying to live, I mean, just because the market's down doesn't mean you don't need income next month, right? Yeah, right. The bills still come in, but he was sitting there and, and he was just bang, bang, bang those three years. he was It was just unrecoverable for him. And so if we do this right, we can protect people against those really negative years. And, you know, if you need some additional income in the future, once in a while you're going to need a car, you're going to need a roof on the house. Uh, you know, you may want who knows a big special trip with your family or something like that. If we protect and grow the money while paying you the income, you're going to be able to do all those things looking forward. We're going to be able to withstand some inflation. Some years we're going to make three or four years of income. Other years we may not make any, or maybe we won't make any in make any uh, money to replace the money we withdraw on our annual basis. Maybe we'll make half of that back. But the thing is, when we win, we want to win big enough to where we can store those nuts away and use those for a rainy day, because there will always be a rainy day. I mean, it's (laughs) it's just the way it's always been, and it always will be. Economies ebb and flow, just the way business works. And so by having a plan and building a portfolio that will withstand all kinds of weather, sequence of returns, all that stuff factored in, it just makes everybody's life a whole lot better. We feel good about it, and all of our clients feel good about it as well.
1: So as you said, it's not eliminating sequence of return risk, but it's sort of mitigating the damage that it can do. And of course, once again, as we've talked about many times here, it's having a good plan that can withstand all sorts of financial weather. Once again, you're listening to Randy Jake here at Floyd Financial Group. Glad you could join us here on our favorite radio station here in Springfield, 104.1 FM, KSGF. And we're talking about sequence of return risk. If you would like a plan that can help mitigate damage if there is a sequence of return situation, and you'd like that plan at no cost, no obligation, Randy and Jake have generously set aside some time to sit down and talk with you about your individual situation it's no cost, no obligation, maybe an hour or so to sit down and maybe ask your individual questions. And to get yours, call 417-889-7233, 7233 take advantage of this opportunity while it exists right now. You can also go out to the website floydfinancialgroup.com. Take a look around at the website there. Take a look at the people that you hear on the radio and take a look at the good information there. And again, make your appointment for that complimentary plan by going to floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We're going to take a quick break, gentlemen. When we come back, we'll talk about consumer spending credit. It seems to be sort of an emergency situation here. Some very interesting statistics. All that and more when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSGF,
0: where Springfield comes to talk. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your host, Randy Floyd.
2: Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about something that is kind of interesting and how it plays into the economy. That's consumer spending and the use of credit.
1: And, you know, during the commercial breaks, I wish we could leave the microphones on. Maybe stereo have the commercials on the left channel and our conversation on the right channel. We had quite a lively conversation during the commercial break, and some very interesting numbers were thrown around. And I don't know, guys. I guess I'm just a little naive, but I was shocked at some of the things that you were telling me about. So let's get into this a little bit. It's uh, consumer spending and the use of credit in this country. Consumer spending, I can't believe that it is uh, where it is today and the amount of credit card debt that people have. I'll let you guys take it from there.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the government and some of the talking heads on the news, they keep talking about how healthy the consumer is and saying, you know, the consumer's in great shape. The consumer's in great shape. The market's not going to go down because they're in such great shape. Well, why is it then that when we're expecting like $22 billion in credit card debt to be racked up over the course of, a, of the month, that it goes to $56 billion? If they have so much money, why are we racking up credit card debt? Yeah. That's a really good question, right? And the other part of this is, guess what these people are going to not do whenever they run out of money? They're not going to stop spending. So this this really comes back to the people that don't think this market is going to have trouble. You know, everything is happening. Everything's falling into place for exactly what we've kind of been predicting here, which is that people, they had a lot over the last two years. They didn't spend as much during COVID. They got a lot of free money. But now that it's run out, they don't know how to turn off the spending. Yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna run themselves up a nice big credit bubble. And you know, the other side of that is not pretty. At some point they will run out of credit and then the spending stops and that creates kind of a downward cycle in the market. Now again, not being a doomsday sayer, I'm saying that the other side of that there will be an amazing opportunity, but I think that there's a lot of things happening under the surface that the public and the markets are not really aware of or pricing in yet.
1: And we were talking about the amount of credit card debt that people have and I was astounded by the figures that you were throwing out Jake.
3: Yeah, I mean, 56 billion dollars is a lot of money, you know? I mean, I think I think we talk about the B word, billions, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes we're a little bit jaded. Here's an interesting illustration, okay, that I think people will find fascinating. So, if if I were to put $100,000 on the table in front of me, right? That's 10 stacks of $100 bills, 100 in each one, right? Right in front of me on the table, I can put a single stack of hundred dollar bills into a hundred thousand dollars, which means a million dollars is 10 of those stacks. So I could put that right on the table in front of me. You don't need 50 briefcases like they show you in the movies to carry around a million dollars. It's, it's, you could easily put it in a normal size backpack. Right. So a billion dollars though, is an eight foot pallet stacked with hundreds. OK, so if, if it was all hundreds, you could put a billion dollars on an eight foot by eight foot by eight foot pallet. A trillion dollars is a skyscraper of hundreds. Mm. So to kind of put all that into into perspective, you know, when we throw around these billions and trillions numbers, you know, these are huge amounts of money, you know, and, and I think that I think it's easy to lose count of, you know, how much it is. You know, a trillion dollars is a million million dollars. That's a lot of money. And so I think as we see these spending numbers and these overspending numbers, I mean, if anybody's booked a flight recently or anything like that, they know that everything's at record highs. Oil is, uh, you know, on the rise again. And people are going to spend themselves into a problem here if they're not careful.
1: Yeah, and that credit bubble is going to burst and it's not gonna be pretty when it does burst. But again, I find it hard to believe that sort of intelligent people you would think that they are intelligent, that when you buy something on credit, I mean you have to pay it back many times plus 25, 30%. percent. That is an average credit card interest rate these days, and they spent, spent, spent when there was free money, but now the free money is run out, but yet they continue to spend. What is the mindset there? What do you think's going on in people's minds?
3: I think uh, I think you're mistaking something here, Jeff. You're you're mistaking the public as being upstanding <laughs> citizens. <laughs> okay. So, so in this country, you can run up a hundred thousand dollars worth of credit card debt and call one of these credit counselors and have them wipe it off for you for you know ten or twenty thousand dollars or maybe even less, depending on your situation. You know, I think that the people listening to this show are going to fulfill their obligations, right? Right. But I think the vast majority of the public is like, well, let's see how much I can run up before I have to pay the Piper. You right. Know? And if I and the more I run up before I declare bankruptcy or settle that debt, you know, I think there's there's more of that going on than you might think. But I, I agree with you, Jeff. I think I think running up a bunch of debt at twenty percent interest, you know, just really grinds my you know, it really makes me cringe.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that is absolutely crazy. And I was thinking, you know, when people do get Debt reductions, or maybe they settle for uh, ten cents on the dollar, as you said, go bankrupt. What does that do to the rest of us who have sort of used our heads when we buy things?
2: Well, a couple of things I would I would say, and this is really kind of off topic. Well, it's not off topic; it's actually on topic. But you There's know, no such thing years off topic. Be, before I got to, <laughs> before I got into this business twenty some years ago, I worked for in the food industry. We serviced restaurants and things like that, and so I managed you know lots of debt. For a company Mm -hmm. and i had several guys that went out around the countryside and they would sell food to restaurants and things of that nature and we knew that there would be a certain amount of that money that we would write off every year that we knew would absolutely be uncollectible and so when you look at credit card companies and and people that do all this special financing you know they have a lot of that built in and you know they've been tracking and tracing people for years and years and years And so, you know, they have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen until we have something come along, you know, like a COVID or something like that, where, you know, we had to give a lot of forbearance on housing, a lot of forbearance on car loans, and a lot of people cooperated and really helped people through that. But, you know, the way people are spending right now, rates are going to go up because interest rates are going up, but credit card companies are going to continue to charge more and more and as much as they can to help offset some of the debt and the stuff that they know they're going to lose that's just a built-in given into this. Make no mistake, when we talk to people here in the office, uh, yes, credit card debt of its own, where you rack it up, rack it up, and you can't pay it off, that's a problem. For us, you know, we use uh, credit cards here for our business and things where we get paid cash back, but we pay those things off at the end of each month. And there's nothing wrong with doing that as long as you don't overextend yourself. The other thing that I would say, too, is for many people, if they have retirement income and they're looking to buy a new car or they're looking to maybe buy, you know, maybe take a a big vacation or something like that, many times uh, you're better off, especially in in the car purchase is the one that comes up the most around here. Should I pull $50,000 out of my IRA and pay for this car? Well, you know, a lot of times you can get zero interest for 60 months or 72 months. If I can do that, I'm going to do that because not only do I not take my 50000 out that would potentially have a chance to earn, but I also end up paying tax on that 50000 that I might not have to. I might even jump to the next tax bracket if I pull that money all out in one fell swoop. So the management and the use of credit, credit is not a bad thing. Credit used properly is a wonderful tool, but many times uh, it just gets abused. And so there'll be a reckoning on this as well.
1: Yeah. And as you said, credit used properly can be a wonderful tool. When you do these spending plans, I mean, you account for major expenses in those. Or do you recommend that people going into retirement have a lot of available credit? Or do you say, you know, just have enough to, uh, you know, uh, float you by if you don't have a good day, that sort of thing? You know, so, you know, most
2: people, we always encourage people to have, if we had our way about it, we want people to have six months of reserve cash Somewhere in a bank account or a savings account that they can easily access, something that's not going to cost them tax money, something that's easy to get to in case we have that emergency come up, so we don't have to reach in and maybe get taxable money and and that sort of thing. So, but the use of credit is is good and viable all the way through retirement, especially today because you know we have cards that will pay one, two, three. I even have some people that get four percent back on purchases right. through their credit card, and if they pay them off each and every month. We're not overextending ourselves. It's a great thing. And again, a great tool for people to use.
1: Yeah. And as you said, with those cash back cards, you do get money back on those. So, you know, it sort of lessens the blow a little bit. And I've got a credit card that I use for most everything and I get airline miles for that. And uh, Jake, you were talking about airfares at historic highs, but I don't worry about it because of the uh, airline miles that I get. I do have some blackouts, but That is another way that you can use credit to your benefit. And, you know, some people may say, you know, well, I'm older. I've got a house that's paid for. I'm not going to be buying another house. I mean, I pay cash for my cars. Why do I need credit? Do you need credit well into your retirement years?
3: You may not need it, but I will say it's good to have a good credit score. Your credit score is one of the main things that goes into that is how much available credit you have versus how much you have used up. And so a lot of people are shocked to know that if you close a lot of your credit cards, your credit score will go down. In fact, in some cases, it will go down a lot. So I definitely wouldn't go out and start closing credit accounts. But I do think that, you know, you don't really know what the future holds. I think having a good credit score doesn't really cost you anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having those accounts open but unused is not a bad thing.
1: Yeah, exactly right. That's called credit utilization. Let's say that you have uh, 10,000, we'll just pick a figure, $10,000 worth of available credit, and you have used 3,000 of that or $3,300 of that. That is a credit utilization of 33%. And uh, most experts recommend that you should keep your credit utilization below 30%. Personally, I keep mine a lot lower than that, but that's credit utilization. And if you uh, close a credit card that has a $1,000, and I'm picking low figures here, but if you close a credit card that uh, has a $1,000 worth of available credit on it, now you have $9,000 worth of available credit, and that $3,300 is uh, a lot bigger percentage of that. So, you know, there is a credit game that you can play, and uh, it's always good to have some available credit in case of a rainy day but it is a good idea to uh, make a plan to pay that back in an expedient manner to avoid the interest rates. We're talking uh, with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group about consumer spending and uh, credit and how uh, inflation figures into all this. Once again, if you would like to have a comprehensive no-cost, no-obligation financial plan, a retirement roadmap, if you will, not going to cost you one thin dime to sit down and talk with Randy and Jake. You don't have to have millions of dollars either to talk with Randy and Jake. As Randy said many times in this program, he'll meet you where you are. To get your plan, call 417-89-7233, 417-89-7233, Give Ashley a call, get on the calendar. You can also go to floydfinancialgroup.com and request your plan right there, floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen, here on Show Me the Money. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what you can expect when you come in to sit down for your complimentary financial plan. All that and more when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.
0: Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd.
2: Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd, along with Jake. And uh, today, uh, in wrapping up our uh, show, we're going to be talking about, hey, what does it look like to come to Floyd Financial Group and get that complimentary plan? What can I expect?
1: Yeah, Randy, and a lot of people listening to this program, I know we have a lot of regular listeners who know this, but we do have people who come in and out of the program. Maybe they haven't listened for a while, and they're listening to that thing at the end where I say, you know, you can come and get your complimentary financial plan. A lot of people think, well, I can't go do that because I don't have enough money to talk to Randy and Jake. And furthermore, this, is, uh, this money stuff is scary. I mean, you had a client who talked about scary money stuff. So let's demystify this a little bit. When people do go to floydfinancialgroup.com and request their complimentary sit down with you and Jake, or maybe you or Jake, what can they expect? What is the first thing that happens and what should they bring with them in the initial meeting? Yeah, it's funny you should
2: bring up the uh, scary money stuff thing. You know, that's been a long time ago now, and I still think about that from time to time. And so the first thing I want to tell people is when you come in to see us, for a lot of people, this is something, and I hear these comments, you know, I was apprehensive coming in. I wasn't sure what to expect. In fact, I almost canceled my appointment because I got scared to come in. (laughs) And let me just say this, you know, when you come in here, this is a very relaxed environment. We're just going to talk and get to know one another. But the first thing that's going to happen when you uh, sign up for your complimentary review, uh, we're going to send you a reminder note or a text or or maybe an email, but generally we send a reminder note say, Hey, this is the date that you're coming in. And along with that reminder note uh, about your appointment, is going to talk about what you might want to bring to the meeting to make it productive. That's, that doesn't mean you have to have anything. You can come with absolutely nothing if you're more comfortable that way, but it will give you some suggestions on how we can make our time together most productive. Secondly, it won't cost you anything, as we say, completely complimentary. Uh, The first thing that will happen when you come in the doors, you're going to see Ashley or somebody right there at the reception desk. And they're going to get you something to drink. If I'm tied up at another meeting or we're not quite done or if you're a little early, we'll sit you down and make you comfortable there. But then we'll invite you in. We have a really comfortable conference room that we'll sit down, and we'll just start the first step of our process, and that is discovery. What we really want to know is uh, what's important to you. We want to get to know you as an individual, ask you a little bit about your history, and that helps us to kind of get a feel because everybody's different. Everybody has different family dynamics. Uh, They've worked different jobs, different careers. So that's the discovery phase. Number one is just learning about you. And what's important to you. So that's the first thing. Secondly, uh, we're going to go into, we're going to say, okay, we're going to ask you some invasive questions. All right, Jeff, we're going to ask you questions (laughs) about, you know, when is your retirement date? Is it now or is it in three years, five years You know, kind of what have you saved as far as money in your 401ks or maybe IRAs? Are you going to have a pension? Let's look at Social Security, that sort of thing. We will also do an analysis basically on what you own and, you know, really get to know what your retirement income needs are going to be. And then from there, that's generally kind of the end of our first meeting. I often tell people this is not one of these things where you walk in here today and we say hi and we say, give us all your money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So after we get through discovery and analysis, we'll have you back in because what we will do in the interim between that meeting and the next one is we will actually do step three, which is we will do some planning based on what we've talked about and what your needs and requirements are. So the planning process is always fun for us. And then we get to share with you, the client or the prospective client, you know, what is going to be out there for you and what does that look like? And it's always very empowering to people once they see how the retirement plan is going to work out. And we take some time to really get underneath the hood of how we invest money and why because we want people to feel really connected to their investments so that's the planning phase and then after that we generally will have another meeting because at that point in time people are going oh, okay well maybe this looks pretty good I kind of like what I'm hearing but i need to have some time to think about it and definitely we want people to go home think about it develop more questions and then we'll come back and we'll have another meeting at that point in time we generally can get to a point to where everybody's kind of on the same page and we start to get consensus. And many times that leads to the next step, which is implementation. So we've been through discovery, analysis, planning, and now the implementation process is for us to make it easy for the client because most people only retire, you know, maybe once. Now we have a few people in here that have three or four retirements. They've done it three or four times. Yeah, But generally people retire one time and they don't really know the mechanics of all this. So we I have a staff here, Taylor, my assistant. Zach, one of our other assistants, myself, we help to get paperwork done, get monies moved. Sometimes it's we get online to transfer 401k money. Sometimes it's a phone call to get that done. We're here to make it easier, right. not yeah. harder. And that's that's really
3: what we want to do is, is take some of the scary out of it. Take some of the... Uh, the inconvenience or the the lack of knowledge out of it, and just make it make it easy. It should be a fun time for you yeah. to hang it up, not not uh, not a scary time.
2: Sure, right, absolutely. So once we get money's moved around and that sort of thing, we have people back in. We sit down with them. Uh, we you know develop their logins if they haven't done that already because we have twenty four hour a day access to all the stuff that we invest in. We'll get that done, then we schedule our first ninety day review, and that's the final step, which is we monitor what we've done, and then tweak and change as times change and time moves forward. So discovery, analysis, planning, implementation, and monitoring are the five steps here at Floyd Financial Group.
1: And we talked about that scary money stuff, and that relates to a story that you told, uh, I don't know, you've told it a couple of times here, but there was a lady who came in you did your sort of visiting a little bit because you do like to get to know who your clients are all about. And then finally she says, well, I guess it's time for us to get down to that scary money stuff. And it stuck with me as well, too. Why do you think that people are apprehensive? Why do you think that people are scared to come in and sit down with you and talk with you about their money? Are they embarrassed? Do they think that they don't have enough money to deal with you?
3: I think that there, there are a few people that are concerned about that, but I think a lot of it is just fear of the unknown. Uh, a lot of these people have been working for 30 or 40 years, and they've been saving money that whole time. Some people have trouble flipping that around and going, okay, I've saved and saved and saved. Now it's time to use and uh, to spend. And I think Randy's illustration of that is like a like a squirrel with their acorns, right? You've been you've been stuffing these acorns in all these various places for all this time. But why do you do that? You do that so that when it comes time, you can harvest those acorns and use them for your retirement. And I think that a lot of people are afraid because they they just they've never done it before and i think that you know having some guidance and having that plan that we always talk about in place can take some of the scary out of that, you know, and we realize that trust is earned. And, uh, you know, we will meet you where you're at on that. You know, we're not, we don't expect you to come in and, and instantly trust us. You know, we're going to, we're going to talk about things until you're comfortable. We're not going to ever put any big thumb on you and try to try to make you do something you don't want to do. I promise you at this point in our career, we want people who want to be here. We're not going to try to make you do anything that you don't want to do.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are worried too that, you know, having a financial planner is just for the ultra wealthy people, but everybody can have benefit from having a financial planner. I mean, do you have to have millions of dollars to come in and sit down with you and get benefit?
2: Not at all. I would tell you that generally speaking, I would say, you know, everybody really has the same concerns. Am I going to have enough income? Am I going to be able to maintain my lifestyle? What happens if my wife or or my husband has a, a medical problem and something that's, that's going to be devastating. How do we navigate that? Do I need an estate plan? You know, what kind of estate plan do I need? And those are all the things that we talk about. You know, what what's my tax picture going to look like? And hey, if I take out this extra withdrawal, what's that going to cost me? And all these are the things that we address with people each and every day. And I would say this, that probably if you have, maybe you're not as fortunate as some and your career didn't, go as maybe you would have wanted it to, or maybe you don't have as, you know, $5 million. It's probably more impactful for yeah. uh, those folks than it is for those that have 5 million. Cause I really can't make much difference in the $5 million guy's life on a daily right. basis.
3: I think one of the things too, Jeff, that, you know, just to that point is we could probably make more money if we <laughs> contributed and, and tried to go after people that are ultra high net worth, but that's just not who we are. I don't want to have to go and smoke cigars at a country club not that there's anything wrong with smoking a cigar at a country club right but i don't want to have to go and do that and put on the song and dance i put my pants on the same way everybody listening to the station right now puts on their pants in the morning and i'm not better than anybody and and i'm just born and raised here in the ozarks you know so uh, i think that when people are looking for what to expect you know just know that you know i was i was raised in nixon missouri Randy was born in Branson, raised in Bradleyville and around Springfield area most of his life. So I think that, you know, we're just, we're just a couple of guys who, who want to help people uh, during a transitional time in their, in their life, you know, and just make sure that goes as smoothly as it can.
1: Well, because you're just like most of the people listening to the program today. I mean, you can relate to those people. I've always said that is the charm. That is the secret here at Floyd Financial Group is that you're just like the people who are coming in. You understand what they're all about about. And most importantly, you're not there to judge people. If somebody comes in with two million dollars, you're not going to think more of them than somebody comes in with two hundred thousand dollars. It doesn't make any difference how much money you have. You're going to get treated just the same. And I think another important thing that people are worried about, as you said, is putting the thumb down on them. I mean, this is not like buying a used car or something where the salesperson says, what do we need to do to get you to sign on the dotted line today? There's none of that at Floyd Financial Group.
2: Right, this is not a timeshare.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> if anybody,
3: anybody listening out there that has a timeshare, they know exactly what we're talking well, about. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean is that you don't necessarily need everybody's business. You want to do business with people that you can give the most benefit to. And, you know, if somebody comes in and sits down with you, you'll be honest with them. If there's really nothing that you can help them with, you'll let them know. If they're just fine the way they are, you'll let them know that as well. too. But if if you can help them, you'll let them know that. But again, we talk about no cost. It doesn't cost you anything to come in and sit down with you folks. And most importantly, there is no obligation whatsoever. So the price is right. What's it going to cost you? What is it, Randy and Jake? Probably about an hour of your time in the first meeting?
2: It depends. You know, we let the client dictate that. I always, for initial meetings, set up 90 minutes. Okay. Not that we always need it, but here's kind of how I look at it. I'd rather have the extra time and not need it than to need it and not have it.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Well, if you're listening to this program today, I think we've given a pretty good explanation as to what that first appointment is going to be all about. If you have not made your complimentary consultation with Randy and Jake there at Floyd Financial Group, I highly encourage you to do that as soon as possible you have nothing to lose, only a lot to gain. And I mean, these are really nice folks who can relate to where you are in your retirement picture. And really, I mean, they can help you get to retirement and then help you stay retired once you get retired. So once again, to get your complimentary, no cost, no obligation retirement roadmap, a financial plan, if you will, Call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, and I highly encourage you to go to the website and take a look at who these folks are, floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com right here in good old Springfield, Missouri. Well, gentlemen, we are out of time for this week. As always, the bass boat is waiting for us. So for Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shea. Thanks for listening. Get out there. Have a great day, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 One FM KSGF where Springfield comes to talk.